You're listening to All Ears with Somewhere Soul. Welcome to episode 17 of the All Ears podcast. This is Josh Mason, and today I'll be speaking with presenter, journalist, and DJ Tina Edwards. Throughout the course of the episode, we talk about juggling freelance work, digging for new music, streaming culture, the state of music journalism, and her current tour. Tina Edwards. Yo! Thanks for doing this. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm pretty cool. I'm um, feeling a little bit derpy today. You know that feeling when you have like an oncoming cold and you're like, oh, I'm not yeah. quite here. But, um, so the tea tree yeah, in the studio is very welcome. It's very welcome for my nasal passages. So uh, yeah, so I'm doing good. I'm a bit sore with a new tattoo on my back. So I'm probably sitting a bit weirdly so I don't stick to the chair. Um, but otherwise I'm pretty good. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and you have been traveling, traveling the world, I right? Have. It's been bloody lovely. Yeah, I was away for two months. So started off in Hawaii and then we went to Japan and Vietnam for a little while. Wow. So yeah, it was really great. And just deleted all my social media at Gatwick Airport. and Fully deleted? Fully, like, well, as, as in, in like deleted the apps? Deleted the apps, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I couldn't commit yeah. that, <laughs> that far, say. unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it was really, really great just to sort of rediscover a bit of childlike joy while I was away and realising that, you know, when you start adulting, things become a little bit serious or you know you're concentrating too much on succeeding at this or sorting out your pension admin I don't know so <laughs> it was just nice to be away and just frolicking in the sea and giggling and just being daft again for the oh, fun amazing. bit and yeah I feel like I've managed to bring back a little bit of that with me again so yeah, I had a lovely time really nice. fun yeah. what were your any like big highlights that stick that um, stick out for you oh yeah a lot of highlights I think um Man, like parasailing in Hawaii was pretty sick. Um, a few little hikes and stuff around Hawaii were really cool as well. Um, there was definitely some sort of funny stories too um, in terms of... So I'm allergic to mosquitoes and I put... You and me both. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. I put like a lot of lemon eucalyptus around my ankles because that's where they like to nibble me the most. Yep. And I went to this jazz kisserton in Osaka that I was really excited to go to. Travelled a long way to get there with my suitcase and I was politely asked to leave because the perfume I was wearing was too strong for the coffee. Oh so, um, so that was pretty heartbreaking but hilarious at the same time. So uh, yeah, it's just like a lot of... Um, Everyone gets served up eucalyptus infused <laughs> coffee yeah exactly especially <laughs> the place out <laughs> gutted um but yeah it was great just a, really a lot of um yeah a lot of immersing myself in doing a lot of different things that i wouldn't normally do and getting on the back of scooters in vietnam which was terrifying um i don't drive i don't i, I learned how to ride a bicycle about six months ago so <laughs> doing that was pretty pretty full-on but it gave me a lot of confidence i came back and i'm doing a cbt and i'm having some practice at this motorbike club in crystal yeah. palace every week and that's pretty cool yeah so i sort of come back with like little new hobbies that i want to try and nice. yeah feeling very very refreshed i feel like a 2019 Mac straight out the box like completely rebooted wow so you're not like at all you get people coming back from like travelling and trips and stuff and they're just like miserable yeah, to be back it sounds yeah. like you've come back I've come back feeling, feeling chirpy yeah and I feel like you know if you if you come back from a holiday no matter how long or short it is feeling miserable it means you should have a look at your lifestyle because you don't want to save 
the happiness for the occasional week away. So if you're feeling really sad about coming back, it's time to make a change like yeah. in the everyday. And I'm quite lucky that I quite like the everyday. So, yeah. And I was away for long enough to miss things like the local falafel shop and you know all that sort of like <laughs> where is stuff. the where is the local falafel shop you might uh, as well give it a, i live in camberwell in southeast london and to me camberwell is like the culinary capital of london um i big it up a lot so falafel and shawarma forever praising so this is actually quite funny because you're the second new person i've met in two days right that has talked about that falafel shop so yes. it must be quite good mate it's incredible <laughs> £3.50 falafel like you've never had I'm not even big on falafel but the way they make it it's just like so crunchy and lovely um, yeah so there's just some great food in Camberwell lovely coffee shops I'm a total coffee nerd um, and it's just a nice atmosphere like it's not really been taken over by high street chains and all that kind of thing yet so yeah, yeah I'm it's a fan got a lot of, of personality I'm a fan of Camberwell yeah. yeah yeah it's a good spot it's cool so yeah it's really nice to be back home lovely lovely yeah. to hear thank you yeah, so if we start off with your... It must be strange for you being asked questions rather than obviously you presenting and on radio all the time. Is this novel? Yeah, no, it's definitely you? weird. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah in, a, in a lovely way. And I've been really looking forward to this podcast since we since we talked about it like way back when. And um, yeah, it does feel quite quite strange. Yeah, I bet. But um, I do, you know, I quite like to ask questions and get to know people. But I guess we're still going to have the same sort of vibe. It's just yeah, you yeah. ask the questions. Yeah, so when did you um, <laughs> first sort of discover a passion or love for music? Oh, music really early on. I don't really remember a particular moment where I was like, ah, music is the way I want to go. It's just always kind of been around me. So my mum's really big on music and I remember her saying to me in a sort of a rare sentimental moment, um, that up for anything she could have passed on to me, music is the one thing that she's glad that she did in terms of like a love for it. Um, she basically provided me an upbringing of Cliff Richard and Shania Twain. Uh, obviously, I'm, <laughs> I'm into quite different music now. Um, but uh, yeah, so I grew up in a house that was full of pop music and uh, dad cared for music very, very little, but he did have a few CDs that I would nab, like, you know, best rock anthem sort of vibe. Yeah, um, yeah so it's, it's just something that I've always felt very attached to, very curious about. Um, I started singing when I was quite young. Uh, I did, I think, the first instrument I did after your typical year two recorder sort of mm -hmm. experience that everyone Did you has. do ocarina? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, we. I think I did. Yeah. We, How does it go? I can't remember. As in just the the four hold tiny plastic instrument, which is like oh. recorder for beginners, and it seemed amazing that we'd be given an instrument to learn before a recorder. But our primary school, we were given ocarinas to play, and they just I have see. four holes, and all you learned was kumbaya. Well, do you know what? Maybe you're right because that what you definitely just sparked <laughs> yeah. a memory, and I was thinking that was a song, but no, maybe that's what I practiced on. I can't remember. You're probably right. Um, yeah, so I did that, and then I did tabla for about a year, and then I did um, guitar, and then I sort of settled on singing, and um, yeah, did that from quite a young age, I think. So yeah, music's always kind of been just a part of who I am. Without that sounding too corny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and did it play a big part in your education in terms of what you were like studying or was it more of like a 
yeah. interest and hobby. Yeah, no, I think I did. I did kind of pursue it. I think um, I did music GCSE, and then I did music A levels. Um, unfortunately, gosh, like we just kept getting different substitute teachers. I remember, and we opened up the exam papers, and we realised we'd been taught the wrong syllabus. So sadly, we all <laughs> flunked it. Um, but then I went to music college after that, and did two years of performance, and uh, decided that a more kind of uh, industry route was where I wanted to go. So I did uh, music journalism for three years at university. Okay, and, cool. Um, yeah, and that was cool. So it was quite quite niche, but. How was really, that as a course? Was it, when it was, you look back yeah. at it, was it like, were you taught what you feel were the right sort of things? Were you like armed appropriately to prepare yeah, yourself for I think work? so. Yeah, it was quite, it was quite thorough. And I mean, it's such a niche topic to explore for three years. So, you know, you learn how to critique, you learn how to write an investigative feature, um, interview sort of not techniques but like ways of going about interviews um and then it was during the second year where we had this um broadcast segment which is funny because now I sort of sometimes guest lecture on that and uh I just fell in love with with broadcasts so it was actually nothing to do with music at that point it was uh a task we were given to create a sort of three minute feature that would work for this morning and it wasn't always music related the course we would sort of bear off into culture or various things sometimes so I uh, was part of a team that created a celebration of Hamley's 250th anniversary so this toy store in in London I remember um, sort of nominating myself to present it and I'd never done anything like that before and I was in front of the camera and I still to this day I really can't figure out how but somehow the, the sound of my mic sort of traveled throughout the store and I remember a big crowd sort of gathering to watch and and I found it so exciting and not like in a ego sort of way of, oh, look at me, but kind of a, I have to be the best I can be at this moment sort of way. Like I have to absolutely be my best on the spot. And that adrenaline just like stuck with me and I was like, boom, I love doing something live where I have to get it right and I have to be my best. And that stuck with me and kind of took my passion for music into a more broadcast sort of path that's really that. cool who would have thought hamley's uh <laughs> hamley's broadcast set, it, yeah. set the wheels in motion who knew yeah yeah it was it was a it was a day where i woke up like any other day excited to see what the day brings and then after that i was like cool that's what i want to do so that's interesting you liked the like pressure mm. of it yeah i did and um i think doing live stuff i get really excited about um sometimes i do events that i probably don't talk about as much on social media and stuff but presenting random um events like uh I'm doing the world broadband awards in Amsterdam next week which is one of those events where I like try to be funny and then remember I really shouldn't try to be funny just stick <laughs> to the script um and then doing like the world architecture festival in Amsterdam uh again in December um Amsterdam's like calling my name at the moment uh and it's one of those things where I'll have an earpiece and someone's counting me in like okay live in three two one and then you're broadcasting to like the whole building which would be like maybe 10,000 people and it's online and it's all streaming and you're being fed questions or like interviewing a politician or something like that and it's like whoa and you know it's a lot of like your heart booms (laughs) but at the same time it's like cool let's let's get this right let's be the best I can be and although that's you know very 
different from the music stuff that I do. Not too often, but uh, I, I love it. I love the adrenaline. Yeah. That, yeah. And you find that that pressure brings out the best in you? Yeah, I think so. Because you don't have time to be nervous, really. You just have to get it right. And that comes into play sometimes with, um, you know, like broadcasting a worldwide FM as well, where that's live too. Um, but it feels so different because, you know, often with radio, you're just kind of talking to a mic as if it's your friend and you can't see anyone and there's no camera and you know it's sort of quite intimate and homely so much so that sometimes I sort of forget where I am a little bit and maybe um yeah go a little bit off off on tangents or whatever um but yeah there's something about the live element that I find really exciting yeah that's really interesting so when you finished uni were you did you have that moment where it's like shit like what now when you're just sort of like plunged in to like the I deep end of right. finding a job, or did you know, right, I want to do X, Y, Z? Did you sort of have things mapped out? Or? I was okay. I've always been um, manically productive, um, sometimes to my detriment. Um, but uh, I kind of, yeah, as soon as I got the bug for that, I was like, right, cool, let's go. And even before with um, when I was at music college and stuff, I was always sort of like working a bit too hard outside of... Um, whatever I was studying so it's always been my my mentality to hit hard and keep busy really so during uni I started doing balcony tv um, which mm. is this online session site and really sadly now it no longer exists a is lot of the not? videos have been taken down nah it's really sad it's, well, even um, the videos are all gone off a lot YouTube. of the videos are missing now. no way yeah it's sad it's corporate um crap that you know it's uh didn't go in the favour of the founder, sadly. Um, but it makes it sound like he was in trouble, but it just got bought out by a certain distribution company. And after a few years, they decided to uh, not support it anymore. And that meant that the videos had to be taken down in some weird legal loophole. Wow. But um, yeah, it was a really lovely thing, like hosting and producing Balcony TV for about five years. So I actually started off by doing the vlog in my second year of uni, uh, which was me sort of picking the the best videos of the week from around the world and then just doing this vlog at home basically and editing it together and sort of like yeah taught myself how to use editing software and and get used to being in front of the camera and then that led to me running the actual London productions and so we had all sorts of stuff on like all kinds of genres pop rock um rap whatever and had some quite big people on and um, and a lot of like rising people too. So yeah, I sort of started off with that and I think I was lucky that it started to open up some doors for me. And around the same time, I, in a very different uh, sort of parallel universe, my first live presenting gig was hosting catwalks in nightclubs. So, no <laughs> yeah. so again, I don't think they're running anymore, but this, this was a little while ago, but it was... Um, this uh, collective who would work with designers and then it would take over like kind of you know certain nightclubs like Egg and Pasha and that kind of vibe and there'd be a big catwalk there and I'd be the one like getting people excited and like telling people about the designer and yeah just yeah that kind of gave me back a bit of a a live experience as well and it was quite fun at that stage being introduced like having someone to do my makeup and all that kind of stuff which is quite nice but um very different life now I just have to do my own makeup now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I kind of started you know working for free figuring out my craft 
in the second year of uni and and I think putting in that time and the blessing of having a student loan to support me whilst I did work for free meant that when I finished uni I was like cool all right I've got some contacts and I'm and I was good to start getting some paid work in doing that because I'd been broadcasting for about a year and a half by that mm. point. So, yeah, I was so quite lucky. F- so freelance was always just like a, you didn't have to think about it really. You were just sort of naturally yeah. gravitated towards that. It naturally happened. And I've um, I've always been freelance and I'd find it really hard not being freelance. I get quite um, flippy and agitated, I think, if I had to work in one place like every day. Um, yeah, I'd find it really really challenging mm. um yeah so it, it just works for me i think being freelance and having different challenges and different things to stimulate me each day it just suits me i think yeah 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 i'm similar really i do like to be if i'm in the same place i used to i used to work at home uh-huh. like full time and i really struggled with the like not having a not knowing when the day when the work day like begins and ends mm. like the, the end of the day would come and I'd be like sat at home and then I'd just continue to be sat at home and I struggled with that I need to have like a, like a bit somewhere mark. to go basically yeah it doesn't matter yeah. where it is I just need to have like somewhere to go yeah basically t- I totally get you with that and um I think I picked up a good habit from a podcast I'm a real like podcast fiend and there was a good one that mentioned saying schedule shutdown when you finish your work just so that your brain gets a signal of okay work's done so you know sort of like you I um like you used to do I sort of work from home a lot now and if I say schedule shutdown to myself and do a little dance mm-hmm. um it's like cool work's done and I've sent the signal and it's all right so it kind of helps me to like split up the day but um yeah it's nice working from home but it is it is hard isn't it because it, it melds into itself yeah yeah that's, that's the tricky thing yeah it really is yeah because I was I was reading up on your um career online before the podcast and the amount of things you do or have done in the space of time I found both inspiring and exhausting to read about. <laughs> Thank you. So which of them... So Balcony TV, mm-hmm. um, EZH? EZH. Easy, yeah. EZH. EZH, Mag, yeah. Uh, Jazz Standard, Worldwide, Lecturing, you said, at uni? A little bit. Yeah, it's and not... singing lessons as well. Yeah, I'm a vocal coach. I've been doing that for <laughs> ten years as of next spring. People listening to this are going to be feeling worthless. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really shouldn't because I've had to learn a lot of lessons about how to not overwork. And mm-hmm. whilst you know my my CV looks colourful, it was like, well, at what cost? You know, I put a lot of of my life on pause. Yeah. Um to sort of, you know, make that CV happen. Um So what's going on at the moment? What does your current sort of at the moment what's your current work situation yeah. situation? Work's cool right now. I'm really excited. I'm definitely working more selectively, like not working myself to the bone quite as much. So um but yeah, needless to say, still quite a lot on my plate, I think. So uh, DJing is a big focus for me at the moment and I sort of entered that space a couple of years ago um, after a couple of months, wow, well, say a couple of months, about six months of sort of like practicing in my kitchen really and just doing terrible things like teaching <laughs> myself and sending a mix, um, a mix and in inverted commas, to um, a couple of my friends that I ran EZH with and they're just like, 
yeah, you're not you're not ready yet, T. And I was like, oh, thank <laughs> God, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I took a few months to sort of like hone it and get it together. And and um, yeah, now it's it's one of my absolute favorite things to do. Um, and I'm touring at the moment, which is really exciting. So uh, it's that and, and radio, which is filling a lot of my time. So I've got a new World Wide FM show that I'm doing uh, as of November, I think. Um, first broadcast date, we're just figuring out. Um, and that'd be really cool because I've been sort of presenting Worldwide Daily, which is their first like daily flagship show for just over a year and sort of paused that or left it rather than when I started uh, traveling. So um, coming back to do that would be really exciting. Mm. So, yeah, there's a tour around the UK um, leading towards that. I'm going to various sort of cities um, around and then London on the 30th of November, Peckham Audio, which would be really cool. Um, And, yeah, so that's keeping me busy. Sort of freelance writing as well. I write quite a lot for Downbeat Magazine, which is a massive honour because I think they're heritage is outstanding and um you know real thing of of history you know history in an important way to document culture they go back so far so it's a real like privilege to be able to contribute my two pence to that in 2019 um so yeah quite a lot of writing and working on a long form writing project as well which I won't say too much about oh, yet cuz yeah I need to like told a few people and then I'm like oh no I do need to rein it in because you get that full <laughs> sense of like oh I've done it now when someone says oh that's exciting be like wait 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 no 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 I, I need to write it and I'll tell too many what, like people. a personal project it's um a creative non-fiction that I am writing um I'm gonna end up saying it now aren't I um, <laughs> just gonna but- <laughs> gradually prize <laughs> you open it, yeah it. um um it's a book that's the only word I haven't said now <laughs> I'm writing a book um so yeah we'll see how it goes you're doing all of that and writing a book yeah it sounds mad doesn't it <laughs> it's it, amazing it is a bit mad but yeah, yeah it's a very slow project and who knows it might I might get to the end of it and go do you know what this isn't the book that I want to share with the world and I think that's what's made me be a bit quieter about it with other, other people's secrets I'm fine with my own I'm just such an open book excuse the pun that I just <laughs> like and not telling everyone these sort of things I think oh no I should give that to myself um but yeah it's it's exciting it's cool and it might like I say might not be the one that I share with the world um I know that you know it's has that, has that always been an ambition to write a book yeah or it's just it felt right to you when you were sort of finding out about yourself to yeah it happened really um naturally it's not like I sort of made these realizations about myself and went ding it's a book but Mm -hmm. I just realized that I was having I was investigating a lot and I was like just I get very obsessive when I'm interested in something uh and it you know so I've sort of just read up on these sort of scientific papers which start off as absolute jargon and I understand like 20% of it but then I sort of persevere and I'm like oh yeah I kind of get this a bit more um and yeah it just I just started to get so much thought flowing through my head I was like originally thinking this would make a cool feature one day and I was like bloody hell no this is a book I need a book to mm. get all of these sort of ideas down so uh yeah so it's kind of in full flow and I think it's something that I've always fancied doing writing a book because I am a book nerd I love to read I love to write and the idea of of doing something challenging like that has always excited me mm. but I had no idea what it was and then suddenly I just realized oh I'm writing a book about this 
So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Like I said, maybe it's not the one that I share with the world, but yeah. it's something that will satisfy me and um, maybe maybe it gets published as a paper or something. Yeah, or maybe we'll it send, is it, a, send it my way for sure. I'd love to, I'd love <laughs> to read. You. Is it generally non-fiction that you... You say you're a book nerd. You generally read lots of non-fiction, or mm. is it is it both for you? Because I'm a massive a non-fiction. Nerd. Are you? Yeah. What do you like? The last book I read, which was I really enjoyed, was Moonwalking with Einstein. Oh, which nice. I don't know if you heard it. It's about um, it's called the art and science of remembering everything. Huh. And basically, there's these like world memory championships, which I didn't even know was a thing. And this journalist just trains himself for a year to see if he could win it to see if you can improve your memory wow and he won that's amazing which no he won the u.s one not the world one okay he won the u.s one but it's just about yeah it's about your memory and how you can actually improve it um it's not you think like people just naturally have like a good memory and stuff right there are things you can do to like upgrade your own memory and stuff, which is interesting that's a juicy book yeah i love yeah. sort of quite psychology based mm, yeah, books same. like that yeah it's fascinating um yeah i read a lot of different stuff and i try increasingly over the last year or so i've tried to like push my boundaries um as a reader so i picked up like some books by kathy yaka who is i think kind of of the that punk kind of era and it's uh some of her novels are just like full of like illust- like really elaborate illustrations and diary like entries and quite difficult subject matter um straight through to non fiction of things that I know nothing about like um seven seven basic ex- explanations of physics and just trying to like ex- you know expose myself to a lot of different stuff um but fiction wise my favorite authors are definitely Murakami. Um, I love Japanese literature. I think it's just so beautiful. And yeah, there's like hidden one philosophies in my bookcase. I haven't read you? it yet. Yeah. Do you know which one it is? Um, if I'm thinking of the right author, uh-huh. um, why run? Why run? Why? Oh, what is it called? It's like. Oh, what I think about when, I, when I'm running? Yeah, that's it. Oh, it. It's a slightly different title, but yeah, that's great. Yeah. That was a fantastic book. Um, yeah, I hope you like it. So yeah, I love Murakami and I love uh, Milan Kundera. Um, I have the unbearable likeness of being dog tattooed on my oh, arm from cool. the front cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, that book means a lot to me. Uh, do you ever feel, how to put this, do you ever feel like overwhelmed with content or the amount of stuff out question. there? Because obviously you're a DJ and a um, radio presenter. You're obviously digging for new music and being mm. sent new music. And then you said you're into podcasts. You're reading a lot. How do you balance your sort of content mm, intake that's such a good question i'm sure you probably think about this as well because you have yeah i, I fail at it I, I can't do it <laughs> i find it overwhelmed i find it overwhelming just get overwhelmed oh you're right it is yeah. um i think uh the trip away for a couple months actually did me a lot of good because i was exposed to very little content um i will probably put out an open apology now to any publicists listening because I have been checking your emails far less frequently since I got back. <laughs> um, and it's, that's it, it's, it's an inbox. The inbox is an overwhelming place to be. Yeah. And it's um, something that I've learnt to deal with better is remembering that my emails are not my work. Uh, they are not a thing that I should be going, right, I've got work to do, and then go through my emails for three, four hours. And, you know, that happens. There's a lot of juicy press releases in there. There's a lot of 
interesting stuff to see on social media. There's the pressure to keep up to date to know who's releasing what the second they share it. Um, but I've consciously decided to let go of that a little bit because I think the best, the, the most fun ways to find new music, for example, and I guess that's when I access content the most is when I'm trying to find new music to, to sort of celebrate and, and champion on whatever platform I'm working on um, is, you know, just to sort of dive in. I've lost my train of thought there. That happens a lot. Sorry. <laughs> I started my sentence. I was like, oh, how do I continue that? Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, yeah, it's about being selective with the content I look at. There's my train of thought. Because it can feel like you're a machine that's being fed by mm. all these outside sources. And it's like, well, wait, I want to choose what I eat for a change rather than eat all the things that I'm being given. So I've just sort of started going back to my roots of how I did discover new music, band camp, radio, especially local radio, uh, like um, One BTN or Worldwide FM or, you know, uh, Lumpen Radio in Chicago is great as well, especially when you tune in in the morning where it's 3am at their time and they're playing the more obscure kind of stuff. Um, music is my sanctuary, which is a Canadian-based platform who will you know, have a, a different perspective of, of music coming from you know, another part of the world. And yeah, sort of accessing stuff on my own terms and me traveling to it rather than just accessing the stuff that travels to me. Otherwise, I'm just a mouthpiece for press releases. Mm. And I'm thankful to them. Don't get me wrong, because, you know, it's it's keeping me informed and updated. And when it's time to do a radio show or a mix, I'm like, cool, right, I want to see if that wicked new release from Jamie Branch is in my inbox or um, Daniel Mornick, which bloody hell is insanely good, um, is in my inbox. And luckily it, it often will be and I access it that way. But uh, yeah, it's definitely about being selective mm. and not allowing yourself to be fed too much because, yeah, it does get overwhelming. So just taking control of yeah. what you... And do you ever find that you're, when you're listening... Do you find it hard to separate sort of listening for enjoyment? Do you, do you feel like you're always in like research or discovery mode? Do you know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. Um, Rather than purely like just having music, like say when you're cooking, for example, or something right. like that, you, you know, you're just listening and enjoying. Whereas a lot of the time, does it feel like you're listening and researching and discovering yeah. it's funny you say that because when i'm cooking is i love to cook and that's often when i'm sort of listening to the purely music of my choice and what yeah. i'm in the mood for um yeah i am always sort of switched on in that sense and there is a sense of um duty if that's not too heavy a word of like using my time listening to music to to the the fullest extent so if there are albums that i want to catch up with that are about to be released I'm like oh I should listen to this and you know most of the time I do want to but other times I just oh, I want to listen to what I want to listen to mm. and I my go-to is Cocteau Twins I absolutely adore them um them and Bjork and yeah. recently been listening to a lot of Laura Marling um yeah some sort of folkier sort of vibes um, but also in my spare time, you know, a lot of like revisiting like jazz classics, like Alice Coltrane records or 
I don't know, just like the biggies, like John Coltrane or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, so th- there is a sense of duty there and there is a lot of fantastic music to get through. And I love that feeling when I download something new to listen to and it and it hits the spot in both the sense of, oh, this is exactly what I hear right now. And also, um, you know, being excited to share it too is awesome. And I love the music that I champion. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't. Um, and it's important to be in love with it because if you're not, then it's it's time to move on. You know, you can't be insincere about it when you're talking about music because yeah, yeah. it, it's, you know, it's a shame. Makes space for someone else <laughs> that wants to talk about it, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't want to hear it from someone that's just going through the press release and be like, this is out, that's out. Mm. Like, that's the whole, you know. Yeah, and there's nothing um, better than discovering something that you've, like, dug around on the internet for, like, a good few hours and found. Exactly. Rather than someone just being like... Think you might like this? Yeah, it's like, I do really like this. But I just—it would have been sweeter if I found it myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even if it is on a radio show, you know, like Bandcamp Weekly is a great example because mm. I think Andrew Jervis has a sick taste in music, and and I'd like to think we have a fairly similar taste in a sense in terms of almost everything I listen to. I'm just like, oh my god, yes, I need this, I need that. Um, so I feel like that's quite a good place to access a lot of um a lot of cool things but yeah i think it's you know it's the finding it yourself finding that piece of treasure that you can't wait to share with other people and you see a name and a track and you hear it and you're like oh my gosh i've never heard of this what is this it looks great it's from this obscure city and this label i don't know and there's a real excitement to that and i'm sure you know there's there's equivalents of film buffs finding some underground director or up and coming director in a film that none none of their friends have mentioned and all that sort of equivalent so yeah when you find the treasure yourself it's so much more rewarding but yeah, um, for sure. yeah i hope the publicists don't hate me after <laughs> if anyone is listening i'm truly grateful it's just about selecting when you access that information yeah, and not sure. allowing yourself to just eat it all the time because it's there yeah yeah and do you use uh, spotify well, I, Not I so use much for Apple discovery, music. but use Apple Music. Yeah. Um, no real reason other than got a discount when I started my phone contract and I just saw it. Because I was going to ask, how do you think um, the sort of streaming cultures change the way people listen to music? Oh, massively. Absolutely hugely. And I think it will be easier to analyse and appreciate in a couple of decades' time when we can actually look back with some extra perspective and see the timeline or the movements of change um you know we're sort of the first generation that have grown up with streaming accessible to us um and you know in that we I'm also talking about musicians who were curious about different types of music there's such a there's such a difference from the millennial generation to the generation above because you know, not not in terms of passion or enthusiasm or talent. It's purely in terms of access. And if, you know, us at 15, 16 were curious to just see what some old school jazz is like or curious to see what a world playlist is like, you can look it up and listen shamelessly with no fear of, you know, judgment. Like, it's um, not that there should be, but, you know, you're always sort of self-aware when you're a teenager or whatever. And... Clearly, like, the jazz scene right now, which is what I'm a massive champion of, is so fed by so many different things, Um, you know, from Afrobeat to grime to, 
you know, so much stuff to soul. And clearly, to me, that feels like a very obvious influence from access to lots of different types of music. And I remember sort of talking to Christian Scott about this, the trumpeter who's really mm. interested in this subject. And he was saying that, you know, he's only like maybe five years older than me, maybe not even that. But when he was growing up in New Orleans, he would have to go to a library and seek out the CD to like take out and borrow to even be able to think about listening to something in particular, mm. whereas we can get it in seconds. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's something that we all talk about a lot with streaming and how it's changed things. But I think that the size of that change is ginormous and for the better because we are just so rich with inspiration now. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's so it's very refreshing to hear such a positive take on it yeah because a lot of people i think are out to sort of get big streaming services and there's a lot of some of it obviously um is fair enough some of the negative press and stuff but mm -hmm. that is a very very good argument but for the positive change yeah but gosh you're so right like it's so black and white i mean i'm talking from a perspective of a music lover mm. not a music maker mm -hmm. um so you know it's a i have a a very limited perspective and as a musician I could totally imagine it's a very frustrating limiting sort of you know sort of experience um when you're not getting paid what you would have been 20 years ago yeah. um but I think for music as a whole and the movement of music and the cultural progression of music the the impact is like unmeasurable yeah immeasurable. yeah and what do you think of the current state of music journalism um, Do you feel like it's in a good place? Because the reason I ask this question is I find myself writing music reviews being like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, this is a, such a, like a waste of my time. Like, people just want to hear the music. Mm. And sometimes I feel like unless I was, unless I'm writing like a long form piece, like maybe an album review or something about, I don't know, something interesting like music and culture or something, mm. I feel like I'm writing stuff for the sake of posting it. Mm -hmm. and I don't know how you feel about sort of music reviews in 2019. Do they still have their place? Is it's it a good question. Um, yes, I'm trying to figure out how to put it. I think I'm just asking selfishly for my own, <laughs> my own interest. The reason I am being slow to answer is because I think I have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, so let's see what I can squeeze in. Basically... Yes, I think there is still a place for it, and I think it is relatively healthy. Um, a lot of people would say that blogging culture has made things more difficult for journalists to get paid, and I think that's completely valid, but I think blogging is a fantastic halfway step to enable yourself to get used to being read, to developing an audience, developing your own voice, and therefore leading to those paid things. Mm. So I don't think... I know some people would disagree with me, including my best friend, who's a very, very successful journalist. <laughs> um, good on her. Um, there's a lot of people that disagree with me about writing for free being a bad thing. But I think when you're starting out, like when I was starting off at uni or if you're like moving into it, um, it's, it's, you know, go for it. Get, get the experience. Um, don't be taken advantage of when you feel like you're good enough. Move on. Um, but uh, yeah, back to the original question. I think with reviews, for example, 
I think there is a space for it. I think it's just making sure that you're not filling the air for the, for the sake of it. And my favorite kind of reviews or even like critical music writing are the ones that take a step back and almost as if you're going 20 years into the future momentarily and looking back on an album that is just about to come out and going, okay, well, what does this say about the current the current state of the world what does it say about music right now what is its commentary where's its inspirations coming from why is that relevant and you know you, you can describe the sound of the music but for me that's like well you know listen you don't yeah. have to like and sometimes yeah, it's, it's nice issue. yeah sometimes it's nice because it, it colors what you're saying um and it gives you another sensory experience to the words so you know, it's it's valid, but I think that the best kind of reviews are the ones that make cultural statements. Um, and I would love to take this opportunity to say it really... I can swear, right? Oh, you're going to It fucks me <laughs> off that there are some magazines out there who um, whose writer... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Collection of writers that they, that they commission are so, so outbalanced in terms of gender. Um, and I've had direct conversations with a particular magazine in the jazz industry who um basically said there's uh he didn't have time when i said why didn't he have more female writers on board there's about three out of about 26 in, wow. in the average issue and he said he didn't have time to train them up and i was like that's a loaded comment i was like i could recommend you some fantastic female writers right now natalie viner tells you adelaide Emma Warren, like there's so many out there that he had never spoken to before or considered reaching out to and, you know, saying he's too busy to think about that. But I'm like, if you have a magazine, if you are the editor of a magazine, it carries a, a responsibility not to make things, you know, too serious, but it, it's, it's important. You know, we document music because we care about the music and that comes with a responsibility to make sure that many perspectives are being recorded. If mm. we're just getting perspectives, for example, of the um, older white male, it's a great perspective, but don't let that be the only lens in which you reveal this music upon because we'll look back in 50 years' time and get one very particular story you know or experience um and you know same for it, it goes for having a variety of um BAME writers it goes for having a variety of of people of um gender identities and, and all sorts of things but yeah that comment made me realize that that there are a few um editors out there that don't take the role of of representation as seriously as I'd like them to mm. and um my eyes are on him. That's a, that's a print. <laughs> is that a print print magazine? It is, yeah. So it's a big. It is it's a big magazine. It's a, yeah. it's a magazine that carries responsibility. So they've got no excuses. They basically. It's not like some like absolutely be pulling the thing about. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. I should just say who it is, but <laughs> if you're into jazz, well, you can know. make a guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that chat was about eighteen months ago, and I've not really seen a change. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, Jane Cornwell, also another great female writer. Yeah, I've not really seen. Oh, Rosie. Uh, Rosie Wilford, I think is her name as well. Um, I should just, yeah, I just... Yeah. Well, I put an ad out for is... new writers the other day and the majority who reached out were female. So cool, you've awesome. got no 
just goes to show you've really got no excuses. Yeah. It's not like you've got to go like searching. Like yeah, exactly. And I hope I'm clear that you know there's nothing. Yeah, I love any writer. It's about what they write. It's not about the color of their skin or their gender or anything. But there is a responsibility to make sure you're getting a variety of voices to report for you. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So that's that's my little moment on the soapbox. Okay. Well, <laughs> on the off the back of your your moment, um, we did have some questions. On social media. Oh, wow. That's cute. Awesome. Um, it always goes so quickly. I know. So... It's flown. This has been really fun. Favourite album of the year? Ooh. <laughs> God, that's hard. Um, it's hard. Feel free to give a few. Obviously, that's a pretty... Yeah, uh, okay. I'm going to roll off the new record from Daniel Mornick because I'm just blown away. It's incredible. Far out recordings. Um, not out yet, but it's coming out in a couple of weeks, I think. I was um, say, I've not listened. Oh, it's phenomenal. I've also had a cheeky pre-listen to... Oh, no, no, no. no, no, no. Nope, sorry. Oh, what a wanker <laughs> thing to do. Sorry. I'm not even going to mention it now. That makes it look like a Oh, right we've already had the book exclusive. It's okay. A little something on International Anthem that's coming out that's been announced a couple of weeks is phenomenal. Um, and uh, let's see. Those are the two that really stand out, I think, yeah. Okay, cool. Mm. Um, who is your number one tastemaker? Mm. Ooh, I'd like to give two. It's between Giles Peterson, which yep. is obvious, but fantastic, <laughs> and yeah, Andrew it. Jervis okay, of nice. Fine Camp. Yeah. Um, what is? Do you have a favorite music festival? Oh, good question. Mm. Do you know what? It's a little bit biased because I do work with them, but they were my favourite before I started working with them. So I love Supreme Jazz Festival. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, have you ever had a really awkward interview? Yeah. Have you not this one? <laughs> no, this one's great. Um, it's like... I guess that can be answered in any way, right? It's whether I'm being interviewed or I'm interviewing them. Yeah, I've I definitely had more that's... experiences of me interviewing people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, Obviously, you don't have to name names. No, it's <laughs> fine. It's quite fun. Um, of the jazz ilk, I won't say who it was because they, they're fairly well known, but it did. It was in a hotel reception, and I think he's just quite an interesting guy I mean he's great but he spent half of the interview lying in my lap um, unannounced <laughs> which is quite interesting so like cool, alright great cross some social boundaries um, but it was <laughs> he was a lovely lovely guy um, and Hanson on Balcony TV oh okay yeah. oh no I'll tell you the most awkward it's when I called um, Sharon Core of the cause Andrea right at the end of a one take one camera performance <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was awkward. Yeah, and Andrea's what like the more back. famous one. So uh, that was definitely an accidental dig. That was, oh, that was a pit in my stomach moment. Oh, I'm sure they've been few, <laughs> few and far between. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could live in one other country, mm, where would you live? Japan. Japan? I adore Japan. Uh, that yeah. was your, it was your first time there it was when you just went? my second time. Oh, okay. um, you've had a proper good explore of it. I've had a good yeah. explore. I would say Sapporo, which is, I think, the fourth largest city in Japan. It's in Hokkaido, the Northern Island, and it's a great cosmopolitan city, but it's really spacious, and your moments from the mountains and the countryside. Oh, wow. Just yeah, the wicked. mountains in Japan have always... 
Stunning. Yeah. And as a really sick department store called Tokyo Hands, which I could spend hours in. It's just full of like weird, creative, cool, kooky, very useful, practical things. And um yeah, I'd like I'd like to have access to that at all times. So <laughs> Wicked, cool. And lastly is I'm tense. not going to pretend that this is a question that came in from someone. I'm just asking this. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, who do you think would make a good guest on this podcast? Oh, nice question. Well, I guess who would you like to hear on mm. this podcast, I guess? I would like to hear Jordan Rakai. Jordan Rakai? Yeah. Because, you know, we're in, we're in uh, the studios where Alpha Mist and Barney Artists record. Maybe Jordan too. And I feel like he's got like a good vibe for what you guys do. And he's really funny. Yeah, I would love to have a chat with him. Yes, they they used to record their podcast here. So it would be like full circle. That's it. Yeah. What a beautiful way to. Yeah. Okay, well, (laughs) that is sadly all we've got time for. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really lovely. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. And yeah, good luck on the rest of your tour. Wicked. Thank you so much. Cheers.